0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM
1: 89.3. Welcome to Powerplay, a new series which is part of The Straits Times Asian Insider Podcast channel. I'm Danson Cheong, ST's China correspondent based in Beijing.
0: And I'm Carissa Yong, ST's US correspondent based in Washington. Together every month... Both of us will look at various facets of the US-China rivalry and its implications for Asia.
1: To kick this episode off, we are going to look at sport and the Olympics. The Tokyo Olympics just ended this month and the Beijing Winter Olympics are less than six months away. You know, Carissa, despite all the International Olympic Committee says about the Games being neutral, they've always been very intensely political. And we saw just how sport can mirror politics in Tokyo 2020 the Games became something of a stage for both the US and China to flex their muscles, so to speak. You recall, Carissa, how Chinese sprinter Su Bingtian became a national hero when he clocked an Asian record of 9.83 seconds for the 100-meter sprint. And in the pool, the women's 4x200-meter freestyle relay team stunned the world, I think, when they beat favourites, the US and Australia. Chinese athletes and their performances you know, fueled this immense sense of national pride here in China.
0: Tenson, what about the athletes who didn't do well or didn't get gold medals?
1: That's a good question. I think this nationalism is a real double-edged sword. If you win, you're celebrated as a hero. But if you lose, you become seen as a national disgrace. The Chinese table tennis mixed doubles team lost to the Japanese and was criticised by netizens. Also in badminton, the men's doubles team won a silver medal after losing to the team from Taiwan netizens you know, were saying that they had insulted the name of China. And then this medal tally also became something of a funny competition between uh, the US and China, with China leading all the way into the very last day of competition, after which the, you know, the US pulled a hit with 39 gold medals to China's 38. And then you know, this funny thing happened on Chinese social media, where some medal tallies decided to add medals from Hong Kong and Taiwan to China's tally, so China would be ahead of the US which to me you know, was just a signal how ridiculous everything was getting. But it sort of reflects you know, these bubbling nationalistic feelings in China and this deep belief that the country also needs to get the respect and position it thinks it deserves in sport.
0: So that doesn't bode well for how they'll respond to something coming up. I don't know if you've heard, but some Americans are calling for a boycott of next year's Winter Games in Beijing. And that call is coming not just from activists, but also some high-profile congressmen. So what they're protesting is the Chinese government's treatment of Uyghur Muslims in Xinjiang, trying to label 2022 as the Genocide Olympics. And some of them are also citing Beijing's erosion of democracy in Hong Kong.
1: You know, Beijing isn't a stranger to calls for a boycott. I think that happened in 2008 too, when China hosted the Summer Games. But do you think that a US boycott is likely to happen this time?
0: I don't think an athlete boycott is likely, but a diplomatic boycott might be. So an athlete boycott is when a country's government and Olympic committee refuses to send its athletes to compete at the Olympics. And the US did this before in 1980, when it led more than 60 nations in a boycott of the Moscow Olympics. This was in protest against the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan. And unsurprisingly, the athletes hated it, because essentially they were the ones being punished in the process of sending a message to the Soviet Union. So they were basically being prevented from competing in something that they have spent all their lives preparing for. There were supposed to be 466 members of Team USA in 1980, but Denson, did you know that according to the Washington Post, nearly half of them never had another shot at the Olympics? And years later, many of them are still vocal opponents of a boycott. So not only does a boycott punish athletes, but it also doesn't tend to work. The Soviet Union withdrew from Afghanistan a full nine years after the 1980 boycott, and it also retaliated, by boycotting the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. And that didn't change America's mind either.
1: But what do people think of the 1980 boycott now?
0: Well, they mostly think it was a mistake. Sports officials say that the athletes deserve better. So, one top official wrote to an American rower, Anita de France, and said that it was abundantly clear in hindsight that the boycott had no impact on the global politics of the era and instead harmed only her. But I think a diplomatic boycott might happen. That's when countries don't send the heads of state or other high-level officials in the delegations. Doing that has the effect of signalling disapproval without hurting athletes. But so far, the White House has been reluctant to throw its weight behind an athlete boycott. And not all advocacy groups are calling for an athlete boycott either. So I think that unless something drastic happens, a diplomatic boycott is as far as America will go. But Denson, do you think that any boycott is likely to change China's policies towards its minorities or towards Hong Kong?
1: I don't think it's going to push China towards changing its policies at all. Issues like Xinjiang and Hong Kong are considered you know, core sovereignty issues for Beijing and they're not going to want to be seen as buckling to any sort of Western pressure.
0: This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to
1: our podcast episode.
0: Danson, how do you think Beijing will respond to a boycott? And what about ordinary Chinese people?
1: Well, the thing about a boycott is that what it does, you know, it calls global attention to China's mistakes, you know, shortcomings or or problematic issues. I think at a time where China wants to highlight its accomplishments, you know, such as how it's controlled the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's going to be humiliating and it will show that, you know, China's position on the world stage is still not where it wants to be. So Beijing will definitely respond. I think we might see consumer boycotts of brands from countries involved and it could also, you know, suspend bilateral exchanges or engagements and, you know, and sanction uh, foreign officials.
0: As we were saying earlier, the Olympics are deeply symbolic and deeply political, and it's obvious that Beijing sees it this way too. So what do you think the 2022 games mean to China and how different is this from 2008?
1: So the 2008 Olympics were a big coming out party for China of sorts. You know and to many people it was, you know, sort of the event that marked Beijing's arrival on the world stage. I think in many ways the 2022 games are not as big a deal and one of the bigger reasons is that it's much smaller, uh, you know, less countries take part in the winter olympics. But, you know, uh, having said that, Beijing will be the only city in the world to have hosted both the summer and winter games. And, you know, pulling it off successfully will show to the world uh, China's capabilities of being able to organize an Olympics safely and successfully during a pandemic. You know, Carissa, the question I have is that given that the U.S. knows that boycotts are not going to make a big impact, why does it care so much about the symbolism?
0: <laughs> That's very America. It tends to make human rights and values part of its foreign policy, particularly under democratic governments. But it can't actually do much to change the human rights policies of powers like China or Russia. So Washington has also slapped sanctions on Chinese officials and companies over Xinjiang. But these sanctions are ultimately limited in impact. Washington could take more drastic measures like trying to hurt China economically, but that's much more risky and much more costly. A U.S. expert on China whom I spoke to, Jack Delisle from the University of Pennsylvania, said that symbolic gestures like Olympic boycotts are one of the only weapons that America really has because it's not prepared to take those more drastic measures that I mentioned earlier. But I do think there's one thing to note. The IOC adopted human rights standards for host countries from 2024. So I do think that this might be one of the last, if not the last, controversies over an Olympic boycott.
1: Thanks, Carissa. Well, I think that nicely wraps up our chat. You've been listening to PowerPlay. I'm Danson Cheong.
0: And I'm Carissa Yong. Do check out our bylines in the Straits Times online. We also have links in our podcast text description below. And don't forget to subscribe to the revamped Asian Insider Podcast channel on your favourite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts.